Hello, and welcome back to The Vanquisher's Guide. I'm Randy. I'm Bryce. And I'm Bradley. And this week, we're talking, we're going back to revisiting the mythology of Egypt. Oh, heck yeah, which, man. Yeah. My favorite. It's been too it's, long. I know, right? We've, we've done it once, but we've done so many other mythologies multiple times, but I think this is our first time going back to Egypt again, so... I was really excited. I thought it was really neat. But I will say I know very little about Egypt mythology. And this episode just helped to reiterate that as I was doing the research. So are you guys... <laughs> reiterate the fact that you know nothing about it? Or exactly. That you... <laughs> okay. Exactly. Okay. As I was re- researching, I was just like, oh, man, I don't know anything about this. I have no idea who this person is. I have no idea what this is. So unlike some of the other mythologies, like I'm, I... I'm not as well versed as you are, Brad, about the Scandinavian and Norse mythology, but like, so I, I mean, I don't know much about that one, but I know a little bit. And then Greek mythology, I know some about, but Egyptian mythology, I am super rusty on. So it's been super neat to research this. Are you guys kind of familiar with Egyptian mythology, or how do you guys? Pretty much the same. I mean, I know the basic stuff, yep. and. Not that this really helps at all because it was a TV show, but I watched like Stargate. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's true. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. My, mine is uh, the first book that uh, Rick Royd and this guy that wrote the Percy Jackson books, he also oh, yeah. did a series oh, on Egyptian yeah. mythology. And I just, I read the first book of that. Same, series. same. I read, I think the first book may be the second, but I don't think I read the second. So <laughs> a very similar book that I just, I don't know much about it, and to be fair, a lot of my Greek mythology comes from those books as well, so maybe I would be a little bit more versed if I'd finished that series, but it just yeah. didn't really grab me. But <laughs> So I guess you guys probably aren't super familiar then with the, the, the creature slash creatures that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're talking about Apep. He's uh, super a cool. Uh, yeah, Apep. That, oh. is, that is a name, not the, it's not Apep. It is no space Apep, A-P-E-P. Yeah, I never heard of him, man. Yeah, super. You're not talking about a singular Pep. Got some badass pictures here, man. Right? The picture, this is, I mean, to be fair, the coolest picture that I could find of it, but he is so cool and a little bit edgy. He reminds me a little little. bit of the Cthulhu gods. Yeah. Oh, Eldritch Horror? Are we getting into some of that today, too? A little bit, a little bit. And then we're also going to mention um, a creature called Shaw, but it's a little bit more well-known as the Set Animal. So we're going to talk about that because Set is a big player in the story of Apep. So we're going to, or Apep, and so we're going to mention Set. So I figured I might as well me- mention his animal and the story behind that guy. So Is it like his Pokemon? I mean, I don't want to get too much into it. Kinda. But... <laughs> it's It's like, so if you're familiar with the... Egyptian gods, all of them have like a patron animal. They all have, they all like, have Pokemon. They basically they all have the head of an animal, and they can all turn into their specific animal whenever they want to. And oh, so, so it's like animorphs, not Pokemon. Gotcha. I mean, kinda, yeah, more animorphy, yeah, than Pokemon. But I would say kind of a fusion between the two. But the uh, set animal is basically the animal that is the patron animal of set, but. We don't really know much about that animal, and it's just like a kind of weird thing story. So figured I'd oh, cool, introduce cool. that, but we'll get into that later on after after a pep. So 
the uh, the creature Apep. He's also called Apophis in Greek mythology. He's very very lightly talked about in Greek because I think the Greece people like got a little bit of the lore from Egyptian mythology and they kind of liked this creature, so they had some stories that were about him. So anytime in a lot of the stories, sometimes they'll mention a creature named Apophis. That's the same creature as Apep. And it's just like the Greek name for him slash the Greek version. But to be honest, really like Apophis better than Apep. But I think so as well. Apophis is a really cool creature and the name is so cool. Like I think Apophis sounds way cooler than Apep, but I think the original true name is Apep. But yeah, that's true. Maybe it's just me. I think that just might be my uh, Greek preference coming through since I am more familiar with the Greek mythology that it just kind of airs me towards that way. But Apep mm. is super cool. He was actually, he's kind of a god, but not really a god. He's like an ancient Egyptian deity that he embodies chaos and just destruction. So because of that, he's kind of like the natural opposition to all of the light and order in the Egyptian world. And in the Egyptian mythology, order is called Mat, M-A apostrophe A-T. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. So a lot of the Egyptian gods talk about trying to preserve Mat or trying to bolster it. And that's like kind of like the big deal is trying to make sure everything has order and everything stays in kind of harmony. And Apep is all about trying to rip that apart and ruining pretty much all that is good in the world. And the Wow, what a downer, man. I know, right? The best way or the the most common way that he goes about trying to destroy things and throw out the balance in the universe is by attacking Ra, who if you're not super familiar with Egyptian mythology, he is the god of the sun. And every day he's supposed to ride his boat through the sky. And that's what the sun is. It's bringing the sun around. And so. Oh, the, like that's the same thing as like that one Greek god, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very similar. Basically the same oh, story. Uh, and so only this one rather than Apollo. being. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. And so rather than being in a chariot, though, he's Ra is in a boat. So he's which is across the skies. pretty cool which is kind of cool yeah it's the so, purely optimal way to travel honestly mm-hmm. and <laughs> i will say ra pretty cool rather than just being a solo guy like apollo was in the stories where apollo he's usually just running across the sky in his chariot alone ra he has like an entourage of other gods on his boat that kind of like help protect him because in the story party Apep boat is, yeah pep is always trying to attack him so he needs a defense so that's it's Man. pretty cool that's that's Pop-Pep his, just uh, wants to be on the party boat dude just want him he on. wants he wants, he wants to, to eat, eat the party, the party. Boat. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to ruin the party it's apparently he's kind of like the grinch it's just a little too loud for him and he just wants to put an end to it their trumpets and their music it's just not for him so Hey, man, I can empathize with that. If some dude was like screaming around in the sky <laughs> early in the morning as the sun was just rising, I'd be pretty pissed off, too. So, yeah. So, well, it's, as... it's... sorry, really quick. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> it's pretty interesting as he like, he's like the embodiment of chaos and stuff, because at least from what I know, like the Egyptian gods aren't like all like happy go lucky. Right. Things like they've got like 
pretty pretty dark side like to yeah. them as well and like and not not like i mean i'm sure they're like uh like lawful good maybe or something sure but uh it's just interesting that like even though these gods aren't like uh, i don't i don't even know like how i'm trying to describe it but like these like perfect embodiments virtuous. of good yeah right and yet there's still something of, of like yeah chaos. something worse than that yeah like i mean um to reference our like Amit episode that might not be the only reference yeah but, like even that one was like a pretty dark like god but she was very like pivotal to like justice right yeah, right exactly and i think that's like that's the kind of the the defining feature of the egyptian gods is that they're not necessarily good they're just orderly like they're not necessarily trying to make sure that everything they do is nice and correct and kind to everybody they just really care that everything does what to and everything is in its correct order and so because of that apep is just an agent of chaos and his whole thing is just trying to throw everything out of balance so it's just it's like the bureaucrat angry postal worker (laughs) (laughs) yeah what so he's just trying to throw everything out of balance and with the way that the egyptian mythology goes that it's that the gods are so stringent and so particular about order because order is what facilitates life with order there is life as everything continues in its correct path that's what makes life being able to flourish and so with chaos there comes destru- destruction and death and the world just kind of would naturally fall and so that's what he's trying to try and accomplish so yeah it's kind of neat like it's kind of an interesting take on good and evil because it's not necessarily good evil it's just like order and life versus chaos and death so it's just kind of i thought it was really neat so if i as we've kind of discussed a little bit if you couldn't quite tell a pep is actually along with being an awesome creature he's actually a giant snake which kind of goes with the egyptian mythology egyptian world everything is an animal and they're in the desert so snakes are i feel like are pretty pretty common so he's actually super massive in some of the stories again i think feel like this is a reoccurring theme in a lot of the episodes he is described as being massive and then when they give him a specific length they say that he's 16 yards in length and so i think it's kind of confusing when they say he's massive and then they give him such a small size but i think that might just be a sign of yeah it's just a sign of them not really being able to comprehend of anything large so to them they say 16 yards but they also say that he's large enough to swallow the sun hole so it's got to be pretty big i large, don't know the sun, when, I, when i look up in the sky the sun doesn't look that big <laughs> that's it's a great point right it's not exactly that big <laughs> so that might be where the the measurement comes from is they're like i mean it's only like this big it's tiny so it wouldn't take that big of a creature to do it but to be fair then he also is supposed to be fighting the gods so he's got to be pretty massive if he's gonna fight gods and sometimes win so he's also got some really cool nicknames that i, I loved there's uh one of them is the serpent of the nile i guess the nile kind of looks like a snake so maybe they thought that he was part of it or maybe they just thought it was cool and then they also call him the evil dragon, which oh. I didn't know that Egyptians had dragons. They're 
like mythology or even that they knew about what they would be or could exist but apparently this is a dragon to them so that's kind of neat well that that also could just be like the best it could be translation for the word yes they used yeah absolutely but it could be that that's just like a different translation of the word serpent or something like that okay. and it it was evil serpent and we just have translated it now today as dragon but i just think it's neat that like it is at least somewhat kind of related to dragons because mm-hmm. a lot of different folklores and a lot of different mythologies some of their most terrifying creatures are dragons so i mean he might not be a true yeah, dragon but he's kind of tangentially related but so that being said as we were mentioning earlier his entire goal in life his his nightly job and passion is trying to eat the sun and there's actually some stories that exist where he actually is able to eat the sun he's actually able to beat Ra in this competition and he's able to swallow the boat whole and those events are actually what the Egyptians described as eclipses that was like when an eclipse happened that was what they thought was happening is Apep had succeeded and Ra was not necessarily dead, but he had been defeated for the day. And so do you know if like would he just defeat Ra and then eat the sun? Or would he like eat Ra's like party boat and that like essentially was eating the sun? Yeah, so I think it was that it was the power of Ra being on the party boat <laughs> was what was the sun. So and he partied so hard he made the exactly. sun glow real bright. Yeah. Okay. I'm I think it was like now. Rob being there in the sky, I think it was basically kind of like with Apollo, where he is Apollo is kind of like the sun, but also he's like guiding the sun. It kind of feels like it's that similar thing where Ra is maybe escorting, but also that he's like kind of the embodiment of the sun with his boat there, and that it's his power shining super bright that's causing the light of the sun. And so by defeating Ra and destroying the party boat, whether by eating it or just ripping it to shreds that was what caused the sun to go out and it was and that's why it's not a permanent thing he wasn't killing raw per se he was just breaking the boat and causing him not to be able to make the journey across the sky for that day so he had to rebuild the boat and then the next day he could do it again so do you ever think like the scholars and stuff of the time ever got suspicion suspicious and was like huh how is uh how are we able to track when uh these <laughs> or when when uh he's able to beat raw <laughs> because exactly it, it's, it seems to be like the same time every every few years yeah i mean you could say that like maybe raw has like a finite amount of power and so with them like not really like growing their own power you know like it runs out basically at the same time on like very specific intervals you know True. i don't know but also it must be like super terrifying when a solar eclipse would happen then. Exactly. Just absolute like right. chaos and pandemonium. Yeah. And actually we'll talk about it a little bit later with like they had the Egyptians had a lot of different like rituals and spells that they would do to try and deal with and try and weaken a pep and also to try and strengthen Ra. And a lot of those were meant for times like this when there was an eclipse happening because they to them they thought Ra had failed. So they need to do everything they could to step in and try and help Ra so that way he could win the next fight and bring the sun back. And so to them, like an eclipse was like mad panic, 
do as many spells as you can time to try and get Ra back out there and ready to fight again, which I Dang, think is super man. cool. I also think it's kind of an, it's kind of crazy funny that the Egyptians thought that like maybe I'm just being cynical, but like that a regular normal human could do anything to help gods entertaining. But I mean, they're doing yeah. their part. They're trying to help. Well, isn't that the whole like hubris of humanity that we mm-hmm. think we're the center of the universe? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, true. But to be fair, I mean, in, to their logic, it seemed like Ra was failing, and it seemed like when they did no, spells totally, and all these yeah. things, the sun came back the next day, and it worked. So I guess it, you can't fault them. I can't fault them. It seems like the it's sun working. always came back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe. What they were doing was working, you know. Exactly. So who's to say? Maybe one of these days. We Wait, just who's casting the spells them. now? There's one know guy who's that's just casting spells nonstop to try and keep them up. <laughs> there's, there's probably a couple people out there casting mm-hmm. spells during the solar eclipse. Yeah, I believe in them. They're they're the heroes that we deserve, or that we Absolutely. need. I guess not necessarily deserve. Keep but... on spell swinging, you uh, yeah. you heroes out there. But so, like we said. Ra, he's the uh, kind of the embodiment of Or, and largely because of his connection to the sun. With Ra, every morning the sun comes out, and that's what causes life to be able to flourish on the planet and in the world. And so, because of that, that's why um, Apep was so focused on trying to kill Ra because he figured if Ra died, the sun goes out, and then if he can kill Ra permanently, that is, then the sun goes out, and then everything would just naturally start to die off. And so because of his nat- like constant like attacks on Ra, he ended up developing a couple of nicknames again. This guy just loves nicknames. One of them, pretty straightforward, was the enemy of Ra. I know, pretty cliche. Exactly. And then the other one, which I think is kind of neat, but a little bit edgy, is the chaos. Because that was his goal. He's just trying to bring chaos into So. Hey man, it was kind of neat. Every religion needs one of those. Exactly, everyone deserves. Or a couple. <laughs> yeah, or in, a couple. in, in uh, the Cthulhu mythology, there's a lot of chaos. I feel like all, every all of them. Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, some have maybe a little bit more than they bargained, for, but yeah, I thought I think that's a kind of neat nickname for him, though maybe a little bit edgy. But and the fact that like they gave him like a, a lordship, I know, and that's I think kind of interesting is although he is kind of like on the same power level and as the gods are, the like the Egyptian mythology seems like it never gave him the title of god. I mean, it it does happen every once in a while when someone will become a god or he'll be referred to as a god, but almost never do they call him a god because I feel like. From what I could tell, they didn't want to give him that, A, that honor of being a god, but also they didn't want to, like, ascribe too much power to him. Because if they started claiming that he was more powerful than he was, he would just kind of be bolstered by that praise and start to get more powerful. And they were, like, trying to demean him as much as they could to keep him weak. Mm -hmm. So they never really referred to him as a god, even though I would say he's pretty close to, if not definitely a god, but... It's super interesting, though, that you mentioned at the beginning that the, his Greek name is Apophis, is mm-hmm. because I believe the Greek word of apotheosis, which is pretty similar, is mm-hmm. means to become God. Oh, God-like. there you go. So, like, 
there's some like interesting like things going on there i think that's crazy i mean maybe along with killing Ra, maybe it was if i can kill Ra, i can become god i take over use yeah maybe he just needed like more dominion or like to exert his like chaotic influence a bit more and he would like edge up into a god there you go yeah he was just he was just a little shy he needs a couple people to worship him and then he's there so and maybe that's what it was is that he wasn't referred to a god because maybe to be considered a god you had to have people worshiping you i don't know maybe that was where like where their threshold was was like i mean yeah he's powerful nobody cares about him nobody's worshiping him so that could be true i'm not sure but because there was a lot of people who had like there were spells that were around about him and like there was a lot of different things that were uh rituals that were connected to him but all of them seemed to be negative and trying to him off not trying to like help him or honor him or anything like that so i imagine though he probably had a cult though right there yeah I think there was some it people was bound that have happened. There was actually two kings or, or pharaohs that I heard about that actually when because I think when the pharaoh was actually ushered into being a pharaoh, they would take on a name. And oftentimes it was one of the names of the gods. And they, so that was this pharaoh is now a representation of that god. And there was actually a couple that took on the name of Hep, though it was yes. a slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> It was a slightly different name. Like it was a tiny variation of his name. It wasn't exactly a pep, but there was at least two that I read about that took on his name when they became pharaohs, which I think. I think that's the most edgy thing so far. I know. (laughs) So apparently they were really big fans of chaos. And those nations sound like they were just not fun places to be living in, if that's what the kings were. Or maybe the most fun. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone gets a party boat. <laughs> or at least if a I, small piece. Yeah, I was just gonna say if I can't have a full party boat, I'll at least have a little everybody gets a bit. But along the lines of his like his life kind of sounding like it wasn't great and kind of why I feel like a king trying to emulate him sounds like it would not be fun. It's actually said that a pep lived in the underworld, though it doesn't really say what whether it's by choice or whether he was kind of like trapped there some accounts sounded like they were saying he was trapped there and that it was because of raw every day coming out that like it kept him like stuck in the underworld not being able to come out to the rest of the world and it was kind of preventing him from causing chaos in the rest of the world and there's some that sounded like he just kind of wanted to be there and that he was like totally chill with it so i'd be curious to find out because everything that i know of egyptian underworld isn't like there's nothing bad about it really like right we said like like most of the religion i don't know if you're planning on talking about it but at least with, like we talked about in, like the Amit episode the underworld is like a pretty like just place it seemed more like a court and kind of stuff you know like, uh-huh. that was like the main part of the religion was what happens after you die Right. And so like I I guess there might be like one section of the underworld that was like for evil things, but I'd be curious to see if these like findings and sources and stuff have had like Christian influence over time. Yeah. To where we think that the un- underworld hell and stuff is evil when really that's just not the case for a lot of religions. Right. Um and so I'd be curious to see like if those were like firsthand accounts or whatever from that we've like that have kept like 
from the OG, right, that, right, or, or like what's been. I don't want to say corrupted. That sounds yeah, weird, but like uh, but changed, evolved. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where, like, actually, I will mention later on that there does there are some things about the lore that have been changed. Uh, we might get to it later, but the reason that I it seems like he may have been trapped in the underworld. Well, so there's two reasons. One, it seems like he may have wanted to be there because we'll talk about in a little bit that he. Actually, one of the things he would do down in the underworld is he would eat the souls of the dead of the dead before they could get judged. That's chaotic. so he's actually yeah. kind of exactly like he's just like part of him is just causing chaos wherever he is. And so when with him being down in the underworld, it may have been by choice the dead and therefore rob them of their chance to be judged and therefore receive their end result or like I don't I don't know whether they had eternal life for like a heaven i don't think they did i think it was just more that they got to be reborn in some fashion so he was kind of robbing them of that opportunity so just like spawn go. kills like he just exactly the elevator Damn. and just like God. He so just he was off. yeah <laughs> so that that was one of the things that he's attributed with is eating the souls of the dead and preventing them from being able to be judged so it's it could be that he was in the underworld on purpose because of that but the other thought of why he, it seems like he may have been trapped down there and that he didn't want to be there is because down in the underworld, there's not a whole ton down there. There's not a whole chaos he can do. I mean, yeah, he can eat the souls of the dead people, but otherwise, there's not a boring. whole ton down. Exactly. <laughs> Versus up on like the main world above ground where everything is, there's so much more there and there's so much life there that he could start destroying and causing to fall apart so it seems like it wasn't necessarily that he was trapped because like if he was trapped it wasn't because he was evil or anything like that it was just they were trying to keep him in the least harmful place he could be which was the underworld because there's not a ton down there is what so it seemed like to me. so what if he was forced down there because the gods were like where can we put this guy oh underworld perfect and then right. he's like okay good i'll just spawn kill these guys fine i'll make the most <laughs> of it so and then that's very possible I'm not sure. And it, it, depending on which story, it seems like it changes a little bit. But it's very possible that it was kind of a combination of the two. But that being said, uh, Apep, he has, uh, although he's not technically a god, there are a lot of different origins of where he came from. And some of them kind of, kind of equate him as being a god. And some of them kind of make him almost a little bit more than a god. Um, there is one story from when the origin of where he came from is that when the creation was happening, Ra was born. And when Ra was born, uh, when the umbilical cord of Ra was cut, that umbilical cord then grew up and became a pep. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I know, it's kind of odd, but it's like makes it that it kind of goes along with this theory that a lot of people have in Egyptian mythology that the all of like the bad and prime primordial primeval primeval I don't know, I, I'm not sure which one but all of like the forces in the world of chaos and destruction are kind of just brought on by individuals and like it's not necessarily one big thing in the universe causing destruction it's just like everybody's decisions kind of cause problems and destruction and so that's one of the origins of a pep and the thought is that it's actually kind of 
because of Raw, it's almost his fault that a pep exists. It's the birth of Raw that spawns the creation of a pep. And they're kind of like almost like a yin and yang response to each other. Uh, yeah, so, I can see that. It could almost be seen as also like uh, Ra's like Achilles heel, you know? Yeah, exactly. And he's like totally perfect except for this thing that came from him that is constantly fighting him. Exactly. And it's like always his downfall. Yeah. And so that's one of the theories is that like, and that with that theory, it makes it that that's where a lot of people think that it is trying to make a pep seem less than a god because Ra was born first. He's the god and a pep just kind of spawned off of him as like a byproduct. And so he's not really a god. He doesn't have all of the the powers and strength of a god. He was just kind of a side thought of the gods. So Could you imagine like being born and like just in your life, you just try to be like the best person that you can. You're just like living your life, like doing doing you. And you find out like at your birth, like you caused like the right? worst thing in the world to be spawned or whatever, like created. And you just have to live with that your whole life. Like seriously. <laughs> That would be so terrible. Like, cool. Oh, and awesome. it constantly wants to kill you. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like you were cursed from the, your birth, and yeah. this curse not only affects you because it's always trying to come after and kill you, but it's also like kind of going to be the end the of the world. world. Yeah, <laughs> it's like cool. You're welcome, everybody. Sorry, mother. Yeah. Uh, also, worship me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, thank you for all your prayers because if you yeah. don't help me. This thing is gonna You're kill all me, dead. and then you. Yeah. So it's like kinda. literally like the the ancient version of like like and subscribe, right? <laughs> <laughs> Need the subscription so I can fight uh... poverty, but <laughs> it's the like and subscribe or else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a classic YouTube connection. You either like and subscribe my channel, or you're gonna regret it. But so the another like an alternate origin story for where a pep came from. One that I honestly think is, though I don't know which one is necessarily more correct. I just thought this was neat. Um, this one is concerning the God, if you will. It's almost like, like the ultimate God of the Egyptian mythology. His name is Atum, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's A-T-U-M. And he's actually like the creator of the universe, the creator of everything. Oh, dang. And so, yeah, he's like the god before Never the gods existed. Yeah. And actually, like, if you, like, pictures of him, if you look him up, he's actually one of, like, the only gods that doesn't have, if not, he's the only god that doesn't have an animal head. Because I guess this is kind of, like, before animals existed, because he created them. And so, because of that, yeah. he looks like just a regular dude. He's just, like, what a normal human pharaoh would look like. He's got the like headdress and everything like that but otherwise he's just got a human figure so That's awesome. that was kind of neat but the way that this story goes is that before the world existed before anything had been created before autumn had started making anything apophos or a pep whichever one you prefer was he had already existed for millennia he was just swimming around in like the dark waters of the undetermined chaos just just swimming around in the chaos of the universe. And mm-hmm. then Atom came around and he started collecting the matter around him and made this like 
started to make like a proto world and started to generate the universe around him. And as the creation of the universe began, Apep actually got super pissed off about that because it was starting to put order and like life into creation where this entire time he has been living in pure, wonderful nonsense and chaos. And so now there's something that is kind of harshing his vibe, if you will. So, <laughs> hey man, I feel it. Exactly. So that's where the, he had been living in the, like the darkness ever. And then Autumn came around, started to create the world. And as he was creating it, he started to make like opposites and he started to make like order to it. He created water and dry land. He created the light and the dark. He created in their universe, he created male and female. And so he started to like generate the actual way that the world was supposed to run. And so because of that, Apep kind of fell into his own role as if there's going to be op opposites, he's going to be the opposing force of the sun. And it's because by this creation story, the sun is kind of like the origin of life because that was the first thing that Autumn created. He created the sun so that way everything else could growing and life could start. Mm -hmm. And so Apathos kind of like, well, I guess that's going to be the thing that I hate. And if I can destroy that, everything else. And so that was where the creator, the, the founding of a pep was, and that that was where his kind of hatred for the sun originated. So he then set off on the journey of killing the sun and trying to revert the world back to what he thought it should be slash what he had been living in for who knows how long. Oh, that's so. like super interesting to think of him. Like not so much as like, uh, an entity born with the gods, but some like right? primeval or primordial force that existed just out there in the chaos, you know? Yeah. Like, I think in a lot of like religions, we see that like there was an all powerful kind of God or creator that organized all of the chaos. Yeah, exactly. So I always find it fascinating, like what they describe as what was before that. I like right? give like super big props to like religions that describe that. Yeah. And I think it's so cool that, like, again, there was a I because I had no idea that there was any kind of order, any of the gods for mm -hmm. Egyptian mythology, and that's just that just goes to show my ignorance of the world. Like, I just had no idea that that existed. But it's so cool here that not only was there an origin, but there was like also stuff before the origin of the world. Theoretically, Apep was one of these creatures, and there might be more that existed before our world existed, and theoretically will exist long after our universe or our world is dead. That's a and bit so, unsettling. I know. Like existential dread kind of creeping in right yeah. there. <laughs> and I mean, that's where that story with, with Autumn, the way that the story goes, that's where the world started. But the story also continues in saying that eventually Autumn will be also the end of the world. Because he, not only was he the creator in the beginning of the world, but eventually he's going to want to take back what he created and he's going to end the world whether through the use of a pep and letting kind of a pep wild and loose and just allowed to destroy the world or whether autumn takes more of a direct approach and does it himself i'm not sure but according to that story not only did he create the world but eventually he's gonna the world will end again thanks to autumn mm. and it'll i assume then kind of go again and because they talk about this great cycle. And so maybe again, it'll start over 
He'll make a new world when he chooses. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, kind of interesting how um, in a lot of mythologies that we've been looking at recently, these like huge serpent gods or godlike beings are bringing about the end of the world. You know, like mm-hmm. we saw that with uh, Yomangander, right, Brian? Yep. And then we yeah. also saw that with uh, Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I don't know, man. Maybe there's something to that about giant serpents bringing about the end of the world. There you go. Yeah. And that's actually funny that you mention it. We'll uh, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but there is actually, I don't think it's a direct reference to Norse mythology because I don't know if any of those people ever interacted. Maybe they did, but there is kind of a cool, cool little homage that I feel like maybe just totally coincidental, but I thought it was neat. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, talking about this kind of mission that Apep has, as we were talking about earlier, this his entire goal in life is to try and destroy. But he does that in a couple of different ways. He's not just like constantly chasing Ra around the world. He's actually seems to be a little bit more clever than that. And this is actually kind of where the theory of him being related slash in the underworld comes from is because in the stories, they actually talk about how the when Ra is in the sky, a pep can't come above the horizon of the world. He can't like peek above the world. Otherwise, a pep, or a Ra would see him and presumably not be happy and hurt a pep, though. Blast pep him really with like a sun laser or something. Exactly. And so because of that, he has to stay beneath the horizon of the world. And according to them, that means that he must have been hiding in the underworld. And so to be able to try and get one over on Ra, he would hide in the underworld and he would hide in certain places to try and like ambush him. And so in the morning, Apep would hide in a western mountain called Baku. And he would like hide in this mountain, try and surprise Ra as he came over the mountain to try and eat him. Uh, sorry, that was in the, in the sunset. But then in the dawn, he would hide in a place called the 10th region of the night. And as he started to come over that region, he would then try. So in the dawn, he would hide in the mountain. And then in the night, he would try and hide in this 10th region of the night. I'm not exactly it's sure. It's so he, sneaky. Yeah, I know, right? I don't know if that's a specific location or if that's just like an arbitrary thought, but... I thought it was neat that, like, rather than chasing him and actually trying to follow him, he would hide and wait to try and surprise him and almost ambush him. But because of this, because of his, like, surprising him and how he was able to get to so many different places in the world and seemed to be in a lot of places at once, because he would, was able to at night be in one place, but day be in another, and he seemed to be just, like, not he like nobody really saw him moving he was just there because of that that he gained a title called circler because they thought that well if he's not moving around anywhere then he must be circling around the inside of the world he must be like in the underworld circling all the way around it oh he's just like everywhere at once it's exactly (laughs) so because of that it's that's where i was saying it kind of reminds me of mythology he seems feels a little bit like the world serpent where the world circles around the outside of the Mm -hmm. world this one circles around the inside of the world and he's peeking out to try and attack the sun when he can. But I thought that was kind of neat. And then he also, for uh, trying during those ambushes, he would try to surprise Rob by 
apparently he had this like magical gaze that he, when he looked at Ra and his entourage, it would like kind of hypnotize them or like suppress them. And so he would then theoretically try to attack them while they were suppressed and, and hypnotized. However, there was one of the gods that was immune to that look for some reason, and that was Set. And so Set was always a member of Ra's entourage because whenever the boat was going around and whenever a pep would try to attack the boat, Set wouldn't be paralyzed by that magical gaze and so he could attack when no one else would be able to. And so it was like, that's where the kind of natural born conflict between Set and a pep generated because Set seemed to be, because the Set, his god realms is he's actually one of the gods of chaos ironically and oh, so really? it kind of feels like he should be friends with a pep but i think <laughs> it's that like he's okay with small amounts of chaos not big amounts of chaos so and he's so, like mace windu yeah <laughs> yeah he's okay with a little bit of the dark side but not all the dark side oh, yeah he's, he's like he'll let you in on like the deets you know but he doesn't exactly. he's like if I do the dark side thing, it's okay. But if anyone else does it, they're evil. Yeah, there that big old snake over there, that's bad. He's really bad, but I'm good. Yeah. And so because of that, Set was like, it seemed like kind of maybe a little bit immune to a pep's abilities because of his relation to chaos and his natural inclination for it. Or at least that's kind of my explanation for it. And so because of that, when a pep would try to attack the boat, they were kind of naturally attuned to attacking each other because a pep was kind of, or a set was kind of a, immune to a pep's attacks. And so he was always told, or he was always told that he was on the front of the boat with a spear ready to stab a pep when he came up over the side of the boat. And that was actually where a lot of stories of where thunderstorms come from is between, if it's the result of their clashes. Anytime set and a pep would attack each other that was where thunderstorms came from i'm not sure why but that was what they that was their thought but along that yeah makes sense sure totally (laughs) uh i mean makes just as much sense as there being a i mean i guess i can't really say too much but (laughs) uh not, not to not to speak ill of your your favored mythology brad i don't mean any bad any bad i swear (laughs) but uh along with that so as we were mentioning earlier with the with the eclipses that was when supposedly Ra had failed in his defense of the the ship and that was when a pep had actually won and beaten him that was where a lot of the time the priests and people in egypt that was their like they tried to step in and try and help the gods to try and prevent either prevent that from happening or if it did happen they were supposed to try and recover the lost ground and trying to help Ra get back into I guess fighting shape if you will and they actually had an entire ritual that they called they it was either called the banishing of a pep or the banishing of chaos and it was just completely devoted to trying to keep a pep at bay and trying to keep Ra strong and healthy and ready to fight. And there was actually, they had a whole bunch of steps that they would go through that they would create these little effigies of a pep and they would like sit on them, they would stomp on them, they would 
stab it in the face, the, these little effigies, and then they would burn them. They so would almost chain like up these voodoo things. dolls? Yeah, kind of like voodoo dolls to try and like weaken a pep through their own little way. So that way, when he went up against Ra, he would already be pre-weakened and Ra would have an easier time fighting him. Which I thought was kind of funny, kind of interesting that like they had a whole like ritual and a whole thing ready to go to try and help Ra out as best as they could. Try and try and prevent the world from falling apart. So they're doing their part. Mm, but that's pretty cool. Makes you kind of wonder though if like there was a significant market for making like a pep effigies. Right. You know, if you could get kind of like wealthy doing that in Egypt. Yeah. Just so, selling to the priests. Yeah, I've, I'm sure you could, but though it doesn't seem like it was a purely selfless thing that they were doing. Like they weren't just trying to make these effigies and weaken a pep just because they were doing it out of the kindness of their heart to try and help Ra. There was actually stories of if a pep got out and Ra lost, then a pep would actually release an army of demons that would all that would kill all of the living. Oh, and geez. so it was a little bit selfish that they were trying to help out Ra because otherwise everybody would die because a pep would get out and just start killing everybody. <laughs> so I I mean I can't blame them for doing the best they can and just because they're trying to save their lives doesn't mean what necessarily some completely selfish, but they are they do have a horse in the race like so. And also Man. side note real quick that I thought was interesting. A along the lines of with them trying to like not give a pep too much like power in speaking about him or like not trying to think of him any bit more than he was they actually in all of the effigies that they drew of him or like the pictures they had they always included another god in the effigy that was like attacking a pep at the same time so that way the effigy wouldn't be giving him too much power by him existing like an effigy of him would, I guess, theoretically give him some amount of power before they then like damaged it and then burnt the effigy. And so in that time before the effigy was damaged and then destroyed, they had the god on that effigy, effigy to try and again keep him weak still. Oh, that so was kind of neat. Do you think in your like, uh, smiting or like spitting upon these like effigies, you had to like aim pretty well? And not hit the god by mistake, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. Crap. Whoops. Out you of know, that. you just stomp on Raw, and then you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I got to do, like, ten more to try and undo, but I just... Yeah. My bad. Got to balance it out. Yeah. But... So I thought that was kind of neat. That, that was... They were trying to help out and do everything they could to try and keep him as weak as possible. Because I guess that's, like... That's just proof to of how much credit they give to a pep that like he is so strong that if they're not constantly doing their best to try and weaken weaken him and Ra's also fighting him if both of them aren't doing their job then he could theoretically get out and the world could end so i thought it was kind of wild how much they i mean although they don't want to consider him a god they kind of do almost more than a god so but that being said that's kind of like the general story i mean general being a little bit of an understatement because that was kind of in-depth or a little bit long but that's the story of a pep and what his kind of journey is and his his desires but 
we mentioned earlier that Set was kind of involved as well. And so I'll, I just want to quickly talk about Set because I think he's and especially his patron animal is really neat. So like we mentioned earlier, all of the gods have their own patron animal, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. Anubis has the jackal, Ra has like the hawk or the eagle. I'm not sure which one he's supposed to be. What, what bird I think it's a hawk. Like. I think it's a hawk, but I, I don't want to say one and then it be end up wrong. So a bird. Um, and then Horus is another ant bird as well. And so all of them have these different animals that they're related to. Well, Set is one of these gods, a pretty, pretty important god in that he's always defending Ra against Apep. And yet his animal is an animal that we can't recognize. None of like all of the depictions of Apep or, or sorry, of Set, all of his pictures have a very distinct animal. They're all very consistent but they're of an animal that doesn't really make sense. It's got some very specific characteristics to it, and yet they're not really, I guess, not unique enough to really show which one it is. So all of the depictions of Set, the the creature or the uh, animal that he's connected to, which all has pictures by itself, they all have a very similar, like, like dog-like or or canine body and so a lot of people have thought maybe that it's like a greyhound or like a jackal but just like kind of drawn poorly or a little weird but it also has like a very stiff in all the pictures it's almost like a a straight upright tail like pointing directly up so it's a very stiff tail but it also has a fork at the end of it so it's got like a, a pointed tail at the end of it almost like a like a snake tongue but it's its tail and so it's a very strange very distinct tale that they -hmm. draw in almost every picture so you would think it would stand out and then it also has very distinct ears in that they're always standing up and they're either triangular or almost square the ears of this creature and so it's very strange you know like the ears almost are more narrow at the base of the ear and then get fatter and more wide up towards the top of the ear which is kind of like the opposite of every ear in the world and so very kind of odd characteristic there as well there's a lot of uh like really like familiar features Mm -hmm. about this animal but then there's like some that are just like totally like stand out and very unique like those ears and the tail yeah like i wonder if this was like really like a mythological creature and not exactly yeah anything that was supposed to relate to reality which it's possible, and that's like actually a lot of people think that maybe that's what it is, but it just feels odd for that to be the case since all of the other gods in Egyptian mythology are real animals. Like they're all real except for this one creature. So for this one to be the one that's off and not real, it just feels a little bit strange. And it feels like it should be a real creature. And so along with those other odd characteristics, one of the last ones that is also it has like a long dog snout like like a dog but it like curves downward almost kind of like not quite like a trunk but like a little bit curved down almost like, almost a like an ant eater. yeah yeah and so it almost kind of looks ant eater or like that a little bit but it doesn't have some of the other and characteristics of that and so it seems like it's just like a hybrid of doesn't really make sense That's but, strange. Yeah, 
and then so there's a bunch of other like pictures that have some characteristics that are a little bit different there's some pictures that people think that it looks more like a giraffe and that maybe it, it's actually just a giraffe head and it's just people are confusing it with other things but i could say like, that. giraffes don't really have a curved down nose for one but they also don't have a forked tail and so that's where it's just like there are some characteristics that kind of match with the giraffe but there's also others at all but yeah. generally it's pretty consistent that the body of the creature is very canine ish it's a canine body with a short neck like it doesn't have the long neck of so it's very confusing as to what it is but i wonder if it's because like of how he kind of dabbles in chaos is it kind of right exactly that's a little uh spirit animal or whatever that is absolutely possible i had not thought about that but i think that'd be really cool actually if that's what it was he's because he's like the god of chaos he's just a little bit nonsensical and so he's almost like almost like a dr seuss creature (laughs) it's like a little bit off not quite real but so yeah like there's actually a lot of egyptologists that think that they believe that the set animal is actually a breed of dog called the saluki and that the reason they believe it is because it's actually one of the oldest breeds of especially in the the area of where Egypt existed in the Egypt region. If anyone's wondering what that is, if you've seen Prince of Egypt, those yeah, dogs. Yeah, exactly. It's like almost a jackal, but not quite. It's like almost like a domesticated jackal, kind of. And so it's, it's a very distinct dog. It has like the pointed kind of ears that stand up when it runs. And its tail also is oftentimes standing at almost like a perfect like straight line. So it does have some of the characteristics, but again, like also it doesn't really have as dramatic of a curved mouth, and it also doesn't really have a forked tail. So that could just be some of that. What do you mean there's no dogs with forked tail? I know, I know. Kind of disappointing, but no forked tail dogs. Unless it's a hellhound, but I don't think so. (laughs) But And then, of course, there's a lot of other people that think it's all other different types of animals, like a pig or a giraffe or an art like that but i think those are just kind of people going i don't know it kind of looks like this to me and just kind of shooting into the dark but a lot of the animals that people suggest are animals that egyptian people wouldn't have really seen very much and so i mean maybe they chose an animal that they didn't really know and that's why the set animal doesn't really look like an animal at all because it isn't really they it was just like an animal that they had seen one time and then they just draw it from the ring. so it's mm-hmm. possible that that's what that is but I don't know. I just think it's wild that there's this one god that we have a animal for that never really existed, but it was a really important god and a really important animal that it's just kind of has totally faded into confusion. So, it's I mean, so weird. To be fair, that's a lot of Egyptian mythology, so I can't really I mean maybe it make would make more sense if we knew more about the Egyptian mythology. But I don't know. It's kind of neat to me. And so lastly, I think it's neat. Um, trying to like, again, the set animal. He's a lo- really important creature and one that was really pertinent and really prevalent in the Egyptian mythology as a whole, which I didn't. Uh, I, if you guys ever have seen, there's the, these things called was scepter. It's the scepter that 
the pharaohs often had that had like the curved like angled top and then the forked bottom of the scepter it, it's just like a really long stick with like a looks like an angle top and then a pronged bottom a lot of different like pictures of pharaohs have them and that scepter is actually meant to represent oh, yeah. that animal which like i had no idea like i just always thought there was a neat looking hmm. odd staff but it's actually was meant to show the set animal because of that curved angled head and then the forked tail at the bottom of it and it was used to show how the pharaohs actually had control and power the chaos of the world and that they used the the almost chaos of the world to help foster life and help to keep everything in check it was almost like the set animal or the the was scepter and therefore by extension the set animal was helping to keep everybody alive and helping to fend off a pep just on like on a smaller scale just day-to-day events which i thought was really neat so. yeah and i feel like that really just kind of like i don't know at least in my mind it cements the fact that like this animal is like a chaos animal right you know? just because <laughs> like it's very true you could maybe think that like the fork tail could be like some misinterpretation of like some like uh pictures or like hieroglyphs mm-hmm. or whatever but i don't know man they were pretty sure on that that split yeah. tail so yeah and like and it's if if you need any more confirmation like if you're thinking oh maybe the hieroglyphs are just not super well drawn and maybe it's just like a bad version a bad picture and stuff the fact that they actually the staff itself has a bottom of it is pretty distinctive like yeah. you know this thing's supposed to have yeah staff. absolutely so yeah, totally. It, it helps to just solidify how weird of a creature and how the pictures that we have of it are accurate, weird, and we just don't understand what this guy is. So I think it's a really neat creature, and it, it kind of made the set animal almost like an opposing, like, opposite of what a pep is. Like, both using chaos and both going through the the powers of chaos but one trying to destroy the world trying to annihilate it versus the set animal or as we mentioned at the beginning of the, the episode i did, forgot to mention the set animal's name is actually shay or shah it's s-h-a and mm. so it, because we don't really know what creature it is they just gave it a name of shah and so the set animal also known as shah has kind of become this although using still chaos became almost like a symbol of order through chaos and he's just like working to try and combat the evil of a pet by helping to foster life and trying to be a good good chaotic thing versus a bad chaotic <laughs> thing if that makes any sense yeah i mean like i guess it just goes to show it's not like what power you have but how you use it right yeah yeah proof that the, the sith can do right i mean wait no sorry wrong universe <laughs> <laughs> oh but, man keep it it's proof yeah hard to hear first there you go but so that's the uh that's a pep and egyptian mythology a little bit more in-depth look at egyptian mythology which i thought was really neat and i didn't know any of like these stories or like even that these creatures existed before doing this so yeah me either super neat this how they existed right but I just think it's so neat, like the depth that we've been able to find out and like glean from 
the Egyptian runes and Egyptian hieroglyphs that now we have these stories that I didn't know existed, but they're out there. And I'm sure there's way more of these that we don't have. And that like, there was a whole universe of stories that the Egyptian had that we didn't, we don't know about now, but the little glimpses that we have, I think are really cool. So and what I wouldn't give to see like some of these mythologies and like civilizations in their prime. Oh, right. Oh gosh, it'd be so cool. Man, if I had a time machine, that's what I would do. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let me see I what mean, what it was really like, you know. Yeah. I I do I am glad that I'm in alive in this oh, same. time where like there's technology and like modern amenities and things like that. But at the same time, it would be so cool to be able to visit. Like I wouldn't want to live in that time. Mm-hmm. I just want to know, but I, I want to visit. It. Just it would be so cool to see. So, I think these stories are so neat, and like how in depth and detailed about the world that they had existed, and how like meaningful the stories ha- they had were. Like, there's a lot of really cool lessons in the stories that. They had. So I think it's super neat. But otherwise, I think that'll do it for uh, this episode. For today, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you so much. Hanging in there. Glad you didn't uh, get scared off by a giant, (laughs) a pep serpent. I mean, he's pretty, (laughs) pretty chaotic. But uh, we want to thanks you. Thank you for listening. And want to, we'd love if you recommend it to a friend. If you have any friends that are big fans of Egyptian mythology, don't be selfish. Yeah. Share it. Yeah. Don't be selfish like a pep. Who just wants to take everything for himself i, I mean like does. christmas was a couple weeks ago but hey better late than never yeah it's still a spirit it's 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 still a we can still say that the spirit of giving is i can still feel it yeah but and i guess if you have a friend who's uh not only a big fan of uh egyptian mythology but like maybe if you have a friend who's read the egyptian uh percy what, what's the it's not the Percy Jackson series. It's the version no, of that that's in Egypt. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, is it Red Pyramid? I feel like Red Pyramid is a thing in that. But if you have a friend that's listened to that or read that book series, maybe uh, show them this this episode. Maybe they'll be a big fan of the Egyptian stories. A little bit more in-depth look of what some of the Egyptian stories were back in the day. So. Yeah. But otherwise... Thanks for listening. And uh, you guys got anything that you want to add on at the end there? Just have a good week, people. Yeah. That's a great it. week. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Have a great week. And, <laughs> and we'll, we'll see you, you next, next week. week. Yeah. yeah.